My name is Max McCauley. I am one of your hosts. Your other host, his name is David Nash, and he joins me right now. David, I think there are four days until the draft, if I have that right. How are you feeling right now? I'm feeling a little nervous, Max. You know, pretty set on, on who we're taking at the top, which we'll, we'll get into pretty soon. But, you know, there's a, a lot of things that can happen in the next four days and, and a lot of things that can happen on draft night. So uh, I'm anxious. Yeah, I don't think it's an exaggeration to say the next four days are some of the four biggest in the history of the franchise. Do you think that's fair? I think that's pretty fair. I think everyone's you know ready to turn this thing around, and it, it starts at the top of this draft. It really does. That's going to matter the most. But there's going to be a lot of other things that matter, too, and we're going to get into all of it today because today we're doing a draft predictions podcast. We're helped by a bunch of questions that you guys all submitted. Thank you so much for that. Uh, we have like a dozen questions here. They're all great. Looking forward to getting into it. I can't wait. I, I love to make a prediction, and uh, yeah, it's, it's been good to get some listener questions in for this one. It has been. Thank you, everybody who submitted questions. Uh, before we get into that, though, we're going to do the segment we do every week. David's going to regale us with a story of Sun's Pass in his Did You Know section. Thanks, Max. So uh, right now, the Suns have picks 1, 16, 31, and 59, as we know. But did you know, Max, Phoenix have never drafted four guys before that have ended up making the roster for that season. I didn't know that. It doesn't really surprise me, though. It's hard to do. It is. So uh, since the inception of the two-round draft, the Suns have had four picks on five different occasions, 89, 90, 94, 14, and 2016. Uh, they got close a couple of times, but there was some you know, players swapped or, or stashed away in Europe, and, and therefore the streak's still alive. Some of the guys that were drafted in those classes were, you know, that the, the listeners might want to look up are uh, Cedric Sabalas, Wesley Person, Greg Grant, and Antonio Lang. So, you know, not too many household <laughs> names there. Not a ton of hits. But if we take, a, take it back one year before that, uh, so 1988, when there was still uh, multiple rounds of the draft, the Suns actually had six picks across three rounds, and four guys did make the roster in that year. Uh, they were Tim Perry at number seven. Okay. Dan Marley at 14. That's not, that's a hit. That is a hit. Andrew Lang at 28. But Max, can you guess the fourth who was drafted at pick 50 overall that year? Ooh, no. But I, I hope this isn't going to make me feel like an idiot for never uh, caring about pick 59. I'll give you some clues. Uh, they've been in the news recently. And they have a, a more recent history with the Suns as well. Been in the news recently. I, I don't know. Who is it? It's none other than Steve Douglas Kerr. 
Okay, all right. He was born in Lebanon, of all places, which I, I didn't know before before looking into this. And he was a, a 6'3 guard, 175 pounds. Uh, and the reason I've, I've actually put him in here is he went to none other than the University of Arizona. Mm, is there anybody relevant to this draft who went there? Uh, I think there might be a guy at the top, so um, we'll get to that later. But Steve debuted in the NBA in December 17, 1988, and ultimately only played 26 games for the Suns. He averaged 6 minutes and 2.1 points. He was traded to the Cavs and ended up being traded five times in his career. Uh, He won five titles as a player, three with the Bulls and two with the Spurs. And now he's obviously uh, got his third as a coach with the Warriors, which is uh, pretty impressive. Got one more question for you, Max, before we round this out quickly for this episode. He made $100,000 in that first season with the Suns, but what do you think his career earnings over 14 seasons in the NBA were? Steve Kerr's career earnings. Um, $5 million. Little more, little more, but still pretty surprising. He made $15.7 million over... 14 years in the NBA, so a little over a mill a season. It's worth remembering that everyone before like this modern era kind of got gypped compared to what these guys get now. Yeah, I mean, if you look at MJ's you know, earnings as a player, they're, they're pretty uh, pretty small compared to what the guys are getting now. Until uh, until like the end, right, when he started getting $30 million a year in one-year contracts? Yes, exactly. That's probably a little closer to what he was worth, to be honest. And, and, and some. Okay, uh, let's go ahead and get into the questions. Actually, no, we're going to start with uh, predicting the number one pick, right? We are. We're gonna, yeah, we're gonna mix it up here. There's going to be some some predictions for the draft that um, you know we've slotted in there, and then we'll answer some uh, listener questions along the way. All right, we're all in suspense, David. Who do you think they're going to take number one? I think they're taking DeAndre Ayton, and uh, you know he's the consensus pick among among most of us, um, mm-hmm. and you know one that I'm pretty excited about. Uh, I think there's maybe a 10% chance that it's that it's not Aiton, and I think that's really only if they trade the pick mm-hmm. um, rather than just taking someone outright at number one that's that's not Aiton. What do you think? I think 10% is about right. Maybe I might go up as far as 15 just because McDee is so willing to, to move. Uh, also yep. because we have the recent precedent of it happening last year. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, like you said, I mean – for all intents and purposes, I, I think they're going to take DeAndre Ayton. It's really hard to see them not doing it after the media circus they put on and the players hanging out with them and just, just everything that's happened between the lottery and now. Yep, I think we can uh, we can move on pretty quickly from the number one pick. Cool, let's do it. So we're going to do our first listener question here. And I, unfortunately, our first one somebody's name I can't pronounce at all because it seems unpronounceable to me. But it's DJSJFKSJS at Belkek. You'll have to let me know on Twitter how to pronounce that. Uh, he asked me, how do we get Luka Doncic at number four overall without giving up the 2021 Miami pick? It'd be tough. I think I think the first way you do it is by including Josh Jackson in the deal, right? Yeah, I think that's a pretty fair, pretty fair assessment. The problem, though, is I don't know if Memphis would even be interested in getting Josh Jackson because Memphis is really on record. Their owner, Robert Perro, said they want to win 50 games next year. They want to be good right now. So I think if they're trading that pick, it's not going to be for someone like Josh, who, while promising, is probably not going to help you be a 50-win team next year. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I would say more likely it would be a three-way trade where they're getting like a current star, and maybe TJ would help them win, and we're giving them a bunch of you know, draft picks also so they can have more of a future built up. 
Uh, that's probably the way to do it. Without, so it would, it would be future picks, but not 21 Miami. It'd probably be like one of our protected first, something like that. What do you think? Yeah, I think, you know, if you're not including the Miami pick, you're pretty much emptying the treasure chest of everything else. Um, and as you said, probably including Josh Jackson as well. Yeah, I think that's fair to say. And we'll get into that 2021 Miami pick a little later and how valuable it actually is. Uh, yeah. All right, you want to go next? Yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna move on to Alex Carsey at Alexander Carsey, if anyone wants to follow him on Twitter. He's asked if the draft goes number one, Aiton, number two, Bagley, number three, Dontich, and the Grizz have four and Chandler on the board for 16 and TJ. Uh, do you take it and who do you select? Um, interesting question. Before I answer it, I'm also going to throw in Stephen Freeman's question here, who's uh, at StevePF22, who asks if the Suns get in a big bidding war with the Celtics for the fourth pick, who wins and what's the package and who's the pick? So a couple of questions there about uh, the fourth pick as well. To answer Alex's question first, I think the simple answer is no. Uh, and that's because the Suns have taken Aiton and there's not really someone left there uh, for them to do that deal. Uh, I definitely want Dontich, and um, you know Alex has clearly said Dontich is there at three. So um, I do think that's a, a you know a trade worth looking at, and, and something that might come up with you know reports of of Memphis uh, attaching Chandler Parsons to to pick four. But um, yeah, to answer Alex's question, uh, my answer there would be no. Um, to move on to Stevens. Uh, well, well, real quick, let me interject on that one. So I, I agree with you that trading for number four is much less attractive if uh, you know we are t- we take Aiton and Doncic off the board because you know a lot of the a lot of the value in this draft is bigs, and if we already get a big, that value kind of goes away a little bit. But mm-hmm. I will say that for the just the trade he proposed, which is uh, four and Chandler Parsons for sixteen and TJ. I mean, I do that anyway, just because we're not giving up very much, and we can just. <laughs> get the value of taking anybody there, you know, and maybe trading them down the line or whatever. That's just not a very risky thing to do. Yeah, I think that's a fair point. And, and uh, yeah, definitely a trade I would do straight away um, with, with Dontich on the board. But you make a good point. Maybe it's something that you just do anyway um, and, and kind of work it out after that. Yeah, I, I, you don't do the Godfather a package for that, but you do that 16 and TJ, I think. And, that, and that'll lead into your next question, which is if you get in a bidding war with the Celtics. Yeah, so I mean, any bidding war with the Celtics, I think you you lose out if they really want to beat you. Uh, we'll touch on it later with kind of the value of, of our different assets compared to maybe Boston's. But, you know, I think you're going to lose out to the Celtics in, in any war that, that they really want to get the player that you're after. Having said that, you know, I'm, I would imagine the Suns would, would win something around four purely because it sounds like Memphis want to attach Chandler Parsons to that so if the Celtics can't find somebody else to take on Parsons I don't think they're in a position to you know eat a contract like that with with where they're going with their franchise so you know I would just give a a little caveat there that you know the Suns could win out against the Celtics in particular with a a Memphis trade around four purely because they're they're willing to take on Chandler Parsons when maybe the Celtics aren't yeah it's worth noting that I don't even know if the Celtics have the contracts to do that they would have to put because they, they have really high-value contracts like Horford and Kyrie and, and Hayward. Yeah. And, and they also yeah. have like really cheap guys, but they don't really have any of those mid-tier guys. That's true. That's very um, true. But I will say asset-wise, I mean, there's no richer team in the entire league. I, they, I think they, they have a possibility of having like four first-round picks next year or something like that. It's crazy. They, they have so much. Yeah. 
Yeah. And uh, yeah, as we've touched on a couple of times already, we'll, we'll get into to just the value of, of those two kind of sets of assets a little later. Cool. Sounds good to me. I think you're going to move into your like lottery prediction, right? And I'm going to comment on it. Yeah, I'm going to run through this real quick. I kind of just want to get this on the record and see if there's, uh, you know, if I can hit on a few of them on come draft night. You know, things might change in the next few days with reports and things. But, you know, as of right now, we've we've already picked Aiton at the top. Uh, I've actually got Bagley at number two to Sacramento. And, and the main reason for that is that he's actually the only guy as of right now that uh, the Kings have worked out. Um, there's obviously some rumors around Porter and, and, you know, Porter's camp trying to steer him away from the Kings. And there's obviously Dontich as well, which, you know, no team has worked out. But, you know, I'm kind of looking at the Fox draft for the Kings. He was kind of one of the only guys that would come in there and they kind of fell in love with that aspect. And, um, yeah, that's why I'm slotting Bagley in at, at two to the Kings. Yeah, I think that I think that makes a lot of sense based on the fact they only worked him out. But and I would also say that the other guy that kind of portends to is Doncic, right? Because there's you know there was yeah. photos of him online and they can't work him out. So if they only worked yeah. out one American guy, maybe it's because they're you know they're just not that interested in the American guys. That's true. So we'll go go to pick three and someone we've kind of slotted in this position all the way through stint. You know, since starting this podcast, I've got Jaron Jackson Jr. out of Michigan State, uh, three to Atlanta. I think he's the you know the perfect fit as we've discussed, and he's also worked out for the team, which is which is important. Atlanta's t- yeah, there's, because Atlanta's roster is so wide open that it's kind of hard to predict. But it's, I think it'll be Doncic or JJJ for sure, or maybe yeah. back, maybe he's still there. But you have him going off, so yeah, I've got him, I've got him gone. So we'll move to four we've got uh i've got luka Doncic at four to memphis um i, w- I will note and you know you'll get into yours a little later but yeah, i'm just i'm running through the picks as if they're taken i'm not kind of factoring in any trades or anything like that so i think if memphis keeps the pick um and and Dontich is on the board at four there i think he may be the pick it's kind of worth noting actually that carter's the only guy that memphis has publicly brought in for a workout um so I think, you know, that kind of leans even more that Dontich really makes sense at that pick. Yeah, or that they're trading the pick, which you're not going to get into, but that would also uh, predict that, right? Exactly. Uh, another kind of perfect fit, guys, is, is Mo Bumba at, at five to Dallas. So I'm going to kind of skip over that pretty quickly. Move to Orlando at six, which I've got Trey Young, um, which, I'm, you know, I'm not 100% convinced, you know, just with the history of Orlando and, and Hammond and, um, you know, not... Young not really being a guy that, you know, Hammond would be attracted to uh, in the past. But I think he's kind of, you know, he's the highest guy on my board left and um, and the highest guy that has worked out for the Magic. So I'm going to slot him in there at six. We've mentioned this before, but that, that franchise desperately needs something to get excited about. And I think that might trump any concerns about, you know, he's not one of their favorite long guys. Yeah, exactly. Moving on to... Carter now who I mentioned before I've got him at seven for Chicago just feels like a Chicago pick to me and and he did work out for the team so um you know maybe that's me you know really valuing Carter and not you know seeing him want to slip past seven but um, I love his fit with uh with Lowry Markkinen too that'd be really nice yeah I think that's really nice so um I'm I'm pretty happy and, and confident to go with that one which moves us on to the you know the swing pick here with with Cleveland at eight. I'm just going to go straight up with Michael Porter Jr. purely because I think it's a you know an eight person top tier draft so to speak. So um, I think Cleveland if they keep the pick and and don't make a move 
Um, they're just going to take you know the the best upside talent on the board. Um, he's only had his pro days, obviously, so there's not a lot to look at there in terms of who he's worked out for and who he hasn't. Um, but yeah, I think as I said, highest upside there for Cleveland if they stay at number eight. And that would be uh, such a risky pick. It could pay off great. You could you could start your whole new era without LeBron on a on a star like him. But also, if you whip on that and he never plays a game in the NBA, we've talked about this before. They're so asset deprived, man. That's tough. Yeah, um, yeah. It swing for the fences kind of pick there. I think moving to the Knicks at nine. I think the highest guy on my board, at least, that they've worked out is Mikael Bridges, and I think there's a you know a lot of links there that make sense. So I've got him slotted in at the moment at number nine. I think that's better than what I than they might actually do. The, the rumors are they're interested in Kevin Knox and Lonnie Walker. So I'd much rather them take a Mikael than those guys. Yeah, and and a kind of nice segue there into into Philly at ten. I've I've got an interesting what what I would consider an interesting pick here, and it's really just bait. It's kind of intel based not my own intel obviously but you know some of those other intel mocks that are out there i've got Knox at 10 to philly which i think is an interesting fit for their team um and i've noted here in my notes something that you just touched on that maybe the new new york knicks take him take him first but people seem convinced that he's a top 10 pick in this draft just on kind of how things are shaking up in the in the lead up before um thursday so i will say uh I like him a lot better in Philly than in New York in terms of his own career projection. I think it'd be a lot better for him. Yeah, I think it's it's an interesting fit. I, you know, he can probably come off the bench to start with, but you know, there's some interesting lineups that they can play there. With, um, you know, obviously when you've got Ben Simmons running the point, you can you can do some funky things. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I've, I'm pretty happy with with him at ten. I've got Charlotte picking at eleven and. You know, something we've spoken about before, but I, I could really see them picking Colin Sexton here. Mm-hmm. I think he's he's an MJ style pick. More on that later. And they're probably going to need a point guard as well um, if they choose to trade Kemba. So, and and he did work out for the team, which um, you know I'm sure people are seeing a bit of a bit of a trend here. I like to kind of look at that stuff when I'm I'm trying to mock mock picks out. So we don't really have um, a whole lot else to go on, so it makes sense. Exactly. Uh, now we've got the, the back-to-back Clippers pick, so I'll, I'll kind of do them at the same time. I've got Miles Bridges and Robert Williams for them, uh, both guys that came in and, and worked out for the Clippers and you know, kind of the highest value guys left on the board by that stage, I think. Um, obviously, there's chances that they do some you know weird things of their own with those picks in, in trade-ups and you know certain scenarios like that, but if they're just going to commit to taking two guys... Um, you know, a, a six six a six six guy, I should say, and a six nine guy, bit of versatility there. A random thought I had yesterday: What if the Clippers? What if both bridges are there, and they just take both of them, and this confuse everyone for life by having both bridges? I I don't mind that. You know, particularly oh, with our you know our running bridges as joke, it'd be pretty cool if they were on the same team together. <laughs> it'd be fun. So that takes us to fourteen, to the end of the lottery with Denver, um, and I've got my highest ranked guy left uh also a guy who i think is a pretty good fit in denver and um someone that worked out for the team and that's zaya smith out of texas tech yeah that's a fun fit i like to see Jokic throwing that guy passes yeah i think um yeah he brings them something a little different and um yeah i think he would slot in pretty well with the nuggets there so yeah there's there's our lottery max I like it. It's sensible. It makes a lot of sense. Who would you say is the best player? So is SGA your your best player who didn't make it in the top 14 there? I've actually got Troy Brown at 15 to Washington, just to throw that in there. Um, 
So, you know, that, that might be me, you know, we'll lead into pick 16 here in a minute, but that might be me being a little bit hopeful, but, um, yeah, yeah you're Brown, rigging it. So you get your guy at 16. Huh? Yeah, yeah. Brown's, he is, he is in that spot on my big board. So I haven't rigged it too much there. Yeah. And also I don't think Washington's going to be taking SGA. Oh, I don't know. Maybe you never know. You never, you definitely never know, especially with Washington. Yeah. Okay. Let's move on. So we're, we're kind of getting into the talk on 16 now. Uh, yep. DQ at the Danamaji, I think is maybe how you pronounce that. He asks about our thoughts on Dante DiFinigio. Uh Jeffrey Savage also asked. Jeffrey Savage is at Afflicted Med. They both kind of want to know how we how we view Dante. Yep. Uh, Jeffrey Savage specifically asks, he doesn't really see the fit except as a bench score. I kind of agree with that. For some reason, I think a lot of people seem to think that Dante DiVincenzo was like a wing. I think if it's because mm-hmm. he's kind of tall, but he's he has a kind of a short wingspan. It's only six six. He's only six four and a half in shoes. He's yep. really more of a combo guard size wise, um, and I think he's really good. I really like him. I think that he's worthy of a pick in that range. I'm not a huge fan of him at sixteen for the Suns in particular, just because he doesn't bring a lot of the things I want out of a sixteen pick, primarily def- defense and, and passing. I think Dante's an okay passer, but. It's not to the level where I'm kind of getting over his size efficiencies. Yeah, I think that's fair. Cool. You want to go on? Yeah, so we've got a, a question here from Alessandro Cosi, uh, at A-L-E Cos1. Uh, and I'm kind of going to combine this with, with predicting the 16th pick, which we've you know already alluded to. Um, so you know we've already spoiled that. But he's asked us to create a list of guys that we could see the Suns trading up for or taking at 16 and put them into the following categories. So one being best day of my life, two being let's go, three being happy with the outcome, four just okay, five meh, let's see, and six WTF no. Uh, so I've got I've got six guys here. Obviously we talked about SGA, so I'm not going to look too much at trading up here, although I think the first couple of guys in this list you could you know, maybe trade up a few spots to make sure that you get. So, um, you know, the, my best day of my life pick would be would be SGA at 16 if he's there. I think it's just a incredible long-term fit for the Suns if he works out. Um, you know, great fit with Booker. You'd essentially have him coming off the bench to start with, but you'd be looking that, you know, he'd be the starting point guard going forward and, you know, really... You're, so you're thinking more like like not you're not thinking like major trade ups here. You're kind of limiting this to like within reason trade ups. Yeah, I mean, I I would hope that he's there at 16. I think there's you know there is a chance of that. The this, the fact that he hasn't worked out for any team makes me think he's got some sort of a guarantee or promise a little earlier. But um, mm-hmm. and that's probably unlikely to be from the Suns. But you know, you never know with these things. I you know I would probably say. You know, these first two guys are, you know, maybe someone that you trade up to 11 or so for. But, yeah, I'm not, I'm not looking at any major trade-ups any further than that with this. Okay, I wanted to clarify that because my answer to that would probably wouldn't trade Young for best day of my life. But you're, you're not even considering that kind of a, of a trade. No, nah, I haven't. I've, I've gone very sensible here, Max. <laughs> That's fair. You're trying to be more <laughs> sensible than I am. Uh, my, my let's go guy would be Zaire Smith. Um, I'd be very happy with that pick at 16. Um so pretty comfortable putting him in there. Um, yeah, I uh, can I, I jump in just real quick. I, 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 me too. I would be really happy with Zaire Smith. I would be happier with him though if we got Doncic instead of Aiton, which is not going to happen. Obviously, just because I think we need a little more playmaking out of our guardish wingish positions, and I, I don't know if he's going to bring that. Yeah, I think that's a good point. 
my my happy with the outcome is someone that I've touched on quite a bit in previous pods. It would be Kyrie Thomas. Um, why he's you know not one of those first two spots is I think sixteen, as I've noted, is is maybe a little bit of a reach for Thomas. So it's you know I I would just be happy with the pick and probably happy that it's not a few other guys that are coming after this. So um, I'll move on to four, which is uh, just it's okay as Alessandro has put it. And for me, that's a guy that you just spoke about, DiVincenzo. I'd just be okay with that pick. I wouldn't be ecstatic, and um, but I also wouldn't hate it as much as I would hate this next guy, which is my mm. uh, meh, let's just wait and see. So that would be Aaron Holiday for me. Ooh, that's not WTF no, huh? No, I haven't gone that far for him. I think, you know, I, I like Holiday, which is why, you know, I wouldn't go absolutely crazy. It would obviously be the sons of just really zeroed in on him and wanted to make sure that they they get him and um you know are, are using pick 16 to do that so yeah i'd i'd be willing to let see on that and kind of let him prove me wrong okay my w2f no which i think is a very very small chance of happening but you never know uh i'm gonna put diallo there at 16 oh, if, God. if that was a pick for the Suns, I would, uh, you know, that would ruin my draft. So wow, um, you picked yeah, a good I, one. I didn't even consider that as a possibility, but I, I could see like a one percent chance of that happening. It would be yeah, awful. Which is, you know, that's kind of the reaction we're looking for here. I think with with oh, that totally, category. Yeah. So that's a good answer. Um, yeah, I've I've thrown him in there. So yeah, there's my my prediction for the 16th pick, and then you know a few other guys there answering Alessandro's question. That's so. Man, I'm like still stunned by that. That's the good one, Diallo. Oh God, <laughs> jeez. I'm not even sure I'd be overly happy with him at 31, to be honest. So. I wouldn't. No, I would be mad at 31. I didn't even consider the possibility it could be 16. That would be yep. awful. That guy just can't. He doesn't know how to play basketball. Don't draft basketball players who don't play basketball. Yeah, exactly. <sighs> okay, uh, so we're gonna keep with the theme of the 16 pick here. I got a, I've got a trade idea for you, David. Yep. I I've been on record saying that I think if if Kimba becomes available, the Suns are the front runners to get Kimba, especially if we take Aiden. Yeah, I think yeah, I think we'd definitely be in in the top tier of groups, uh, you know, chasing. So do I, and I think that given our draft position and given kind of we talked about, Charlotte's going to be really hot for Colin Sexton. I think, don't you? Yeah, I mean, I, I I've mocked him there, so I've I've played my hand there for sure. Cleveland has been very publicly working out and sort of gushing over without gushing over too far. Colin Sexton and lead up. Have you seen any of that? Yeah, I've seen bits and pieces. Uh, interesting, definitely interesting. I think there's a chance that Cleveland's not so hot on him themselves. They're just trying to say, "Hey, Charlotte, hey, Charlotte, you 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 want Colin Sexton?" Bit of mind games there, you think? I think they might be saying, "Hey, you might have to come up to uh, number eight if you want if you want Colin Sexton on your team next year." Well, Kobe Altman's, you know, he's definitely done some interesting things in his his short GM. He ain't career, afraid so. of big trades. So yep. I've got a three way trade for you, and it involves Charlotte trying to get up and move up to eight for for Colin Sexton. Here's what it looks like: Phoenix, Charlotte, and Denver. Denver. As we all know, is trying to get rid of uh, Kenneth Fareed. Mm-hmm. So they send Fareed to Charlotte uh, in a salary dump with number 14. Yep. They get 
Allen Williams. This is a three-way trade with Phoenix as well. They get Allen Williams in the trade. They end up just getting totally out of Fareed's contract. That they can cut Williams. That's a zero. That's zero on the cap. They're just out of it for number fourteen. Yep. We send Charlotte sixteen, thirty-one, T.J. Warren, and Jared Dudley. So they don't take on any long-term money besides T.J., who they might view as you know is useful. And then they also get our number sixteen pick and thirty-one. They package all those picks together with their eleven, go up to eight to get Colin Sexton. I think it's it's interesting. It's uh, it would definitely be worth looking at for all teams involved. You've you've thought about it from from that respect, and I haven't um, even given you Phoenix yet. Well, I think I know where it's going, but yeah, <laughs> it could be Dwight Howard. <laughs> Please no, it's not Dwight Howard. So yeah, Phoenix gets Kimba. They get Marvin Williams, who I think actually could help them. Uh, his contract's another couple of years, but he could actually help them at power forward. Yeah. I really like Marvin Williams as a as a throw-in piece with Kemba, um, and I think it's a contract that they'll maybe look to get off if they, you know, do kind of make this type of a move. Yep, uh, and they also just to make the salary work, they get they get Hernan Gomez, or we get Hernan Gomez, which Hernan Gomez, will Hernan Gomez, I think he could be a useful backup center, maybe. Yeah, I was I was high on him in in that draft, so um, yeah, I'm I'm not going to turn him away. The reason why I like this trade is because I think that. In just in a vacuum, Charlotte and Phoenix trading, Charlotte, I think, would want more than this for Kimba. Uh, even okay. if we don't think he's worth it, I think that they, they've been very, very on record saying, no, we want an all-star player, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But if it were in the draft and, and Charlotte really, really wants Colin Sexton, that's the kind of scenario where teams will be less you know, less adamant about getting whatever they perceive as the value for somebody. If they just, you know what, we just want to go up and get this guy. We don't care. You can help us do that right now. Yeah. Would you do that, by the way? Would you give up, basically, it's TJ and 16 and 31, and I guess Austin's contract was kind of valuable to get Kemba? Yeah, I think I would. I think that's the type of trade the Suns, you know, will maybe be looking to do on draft night. It's kind of, you know, it, it's getting off TJ, um, and it's, you know, packaging a couple of those picks, and it, it kind of reduces the uh, the strain from, you know, what might be taking guys at, at 116 and 31 and, and trying to juggle those, you know, roster numbers. Yeah, as we said, we think that it's very unlikely they're going to make all those picks just because of what you said. So I think something like yeah. like this might happen. Yeah, it's it's a good one. Uh, all right, so moving on, this is sort of a natural transition to our next listener question. This mm-hmm. comes from Carlos Petri, at C Petri NBA, my buddy Carlos. He asks... Over under 1.5 draft day trades for the Suns. Very interesting. So, I think they're going to do one. I If I had to say, if this question was the whole offseason, I would say over, because I think they'll do more than one trade this whole offseason. Oh, definitely. Yeah, definitely on the whole offseason. But just draft day, I think it'll be one, so I'm going to go with the under. Okay, I think that's smart. Um, but just to be different, I'll go the over. Okay. Um, I think... There'll definitely be one trade around either 16 or 31 or both of them, like in the trade you just mentioned. But I think there's a pretty good chance that 59's traded as well. Uh, I know it's you know pretty low level and, and probably won't mean much, but in the interest of uh, you know answering this question and hopefully getting it correct, I'll, uh, I'll go the over. Do you think that's traded just for like money or what? Yeah, I think it could be traded for, you know, they, someone might come looking, you might get a a future second, you know, there might be, I, I don't have the, you know, the futures list in front of me right now, but, you know, there might be a draft coming up where we're, you know, don't have a second or, or a little low on second. So, you know, maybe McDonough will, 
will you know let someone who's chasing a player at the end of the draft um you know take 59 for a, a future second or something like that you know yeah, couple exactly. that in with you know the the 10 percent possibility of uh of trading uh the first pick i'm willing to kind of you know bundle all those odds together and and then bank on the over God, could you imagine if Woj just Woj bombs? Phoenix is trading the number one pick to X. <laughs> oh, man. It's, yeah, I, I can't wait for draft night. Oh, it's going to be so fun. Especially now with this Kimba, or sorry, Kawhi news. It's just, oh, man. Yeah. So we'll move on. We'll go to uh, Gervais' question. So he's at Warden of D West, which I'm very intrigued about that. <laughs> I've um, never noticed his handle before. That's interesting. Yeah, that, that handle. I, we'll have to ask him. Or, or Hopefully he's listening to this and he can let us know on Twitter the, the origins of that. So he's asked, how valuable do you see the 2021 Miami pick? Um, and what player in that class could the Suns draft or, or what stars do you see it being traded for now or later? Um, I'm not going to touch on the second part of that question too much, although I will note something that, that you noted on a, another pod that we did the other day, Max, that you know the, the 2021 class is looking very interesting if they change the rules around eligibility and we could have, you know, essentially two classes together. Uh, I'm not going to pretend to be that much of a draft nerd that I know some names from that class uh, right now. So I, I can't really give a, a selection or, or someone to keep an eye on. There. We're so far out that you can't even, the top 10 in that class is going to be totally different now than it is like we did the draft. So exactly. But, you know, we will note that it, it it's, you know, it's going to be an interesting class, particularly if these rules uh, go ahead. So that, mm-hmm. that helps it's um, how valuable it is. Uh, and I also think that it's, you know, it's in the conversation for essentially any star that comes up now or in the future. And that includes Kawhi and, um, and anyone else, you know, that Ryan McDonough continually touches on any chance that he gets that, you know, he is eventually hoping to trade for a star with these assets that he's building up. So, um, yeah, I, again, I won't mention any specific names, but I think you can you can throw it in for any star. And, and the reason for that is to, to answer the initial question about how valuable it is. I have it as the second most valuable future asset in the league. So, hmm, and, and, and easily the best asset that Phoenix has from a, from a draft pick standpoint right, obviously right. uh i think nate duncan and, and daniel larue usually do a, a pod at some point ranking uh all the future assets that teams hold uh i'm not sure the last time they've done that i, ha- I haven't heard i one think recently. it was like kind of the beginning of the season okay so yeah i would i would place the miami pick as as the second best um which is which is behind boston as we discussed before so boston has the uh sacramento philly swap pick next year which is only protected one for both of those teams so essentially it's probably going to be whatever sacramento's first round pick next year is um as long as it doesn't fall at the one in the lottery um and then i would put our miami pick behind that third then you've kind of it's arguably between a a boston and a suns pick again i would think boston has memphis's pick next year protected one to eight uh, and the Suns have that Milwaukee pick, which obviously has some tricky p- protections in it, which uh, I think is designed by McD to to keep pushing it back a while until it's maybe hopefully unprotected again, like this Miami pick. So yeah, I think the idea with that was to just maintain flexibility with it. Like if it would have been totally uh, for sure coming over this year, they'd have to use it in this draft or trade it. Now he kind of yeah. has some options with it. 
Exactly. So that's kind of one reason I'm in the minority, I think, in, in not wanting to throw all these picks together, um, you know, in some massive deal, unless that massive deal's really, really good, because, you know, they're very valuable picks going forward for, for roster building. You know, these are the kind of oh, yeah. picks that when you're starting to build a contender and, you know, you're in those positions that some of those top teams are in the playoffs and they've kind of got no flexibility or or no future picks to throw around to, um, you know, attract that one last desperate piece that they need. That's when, you know, picks like this really come in handy. So I'd be holding on to those unless you, you know, get that Godfather type offer. Yeah, when you talk about like maybe someday uh, Porzingis or Carl Anthony Towns or Giannis Antetokounmpo get sort of restless with their current situations, that's how you get one of those guys is if that uh, 2021 Miami pick becomes as valuable as we think it might be. Like if Miami's cap situation ends up leading them to the bottom of the league-ish, that's that's how you get one of those guys. Exactly, and that's yeah why I wouldn't just kind of throw it in as the last piece in a, a trade-up this year, for instance. I, no, it's got to be going to number four or something. It's got to be a big trade if you're going to use that. Exactly. Cool. Uh, I think our next one is we're going to predict a one-player team match with pick 17 through 30. Yeah, so we, we went through the lottery, and, and then I did mention Washington and, and Phoenix's picks as well. So, you know, we won't go through the whole rest of the first round. I thought, um, you know, it might just be interesting to pick, you know, two teams here and, and try and see if we can snag who they're, who they're going to draft uh, on Thursday. I'll, so I'll let you kick it off. Uh, so this is going to be the most obvious pick ever, but I mean, the Utah Jazz need to draft Kevin Herter, right? It makes a lot of sense. Yeah, just not not only on fit in their team, which is good because they need they could use like a wing shooter like that, but also just fit with their uh, culture. I guess is a nice way I'll put it. Yep. In fact, I think the rumors that he has a promise. I think there's a chance that's who it is. Very true. Very true. I think you might even be onto something there with maybe them being one of the last workouts that he did mm. um, before he made his decision to then stay in the draft. So yeah, you might have you might you might have nailed that one. Cool. What do you got? I'm going to go a little further. I'm actually going to go to the Golden State Warriors pick. Um, oh. I've looked at them just purely because of you know the mode they're in. It can be a little easier to kind of look at who they might take because um, they need very specific pieces that you know will hopefully contribute next year as the the crunch gets a little harder. Uh, so I'm going to go Josh Akoji. I think is how I pronounce it. I don't know if it's got a, a another right. pronunciation. Um, I think he's you know really interesting. They've uh, you know, already noted this off season that they'll go in with with less centers than they did this season, um, and I think you know wing help, uh, defense help is something that they could you know always add to, um, particularly as you know guys like Iggy and that get older. Uh, he's got a, a probably a question mark on his shot is probably why he's um, this far back in the first round, um, but you know there's enough there to work with. Uh, to kind of plug in and, and play some some spot minutes, maybe even next year for the team. So yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw that hail mary and, and see if I can land that one. This is a nice draft for them to be picking uh, to get a guy in that range because I think that's it really is. Uh, and also something that terrified me. I was thinking about this the other day. What if like Mitchell Robinson, because of the mystery around him, just fell to Golden State at thirty and just became like a superstar center? <laughs> It's kind of another Jordan Bell type type yeah. story there, isn't it? It could be like that, except for I think Mitchell Robinson's got the, kind of the, even more ups or a lot more upside than Jordan Bell does. Jordan Bell's probably gonna be a better player. Jordan Bell's really smart. I like him a lot, but Mitchell Robinson's got kind of like 
there's a chance that if Mitchell Robinson would have gone to college this year, he would have been one of these elite bigs we're talking about at the top. Yeah, I think you're right. And an interesting thing there with with this pick at 29, say versus the the pick they had with Jordan Bell last year is, you know, they've kind of stuffed up with Jordan Bell now with their cap crunch. He's, you know, I would say all but set to leave after I think it's this next season because of the way that second round picks contracts work where if they can really nail this pick at 29, you know, they've got control of a guy for at least four years. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, if a guy like that fell to them, they would be uh, running to the podium, as you like to say, Max. Yeah, let's, let's pray that doesn't happen. <laughs> okay, uh, we're going to move on to the next listener question. This is from Benjamin R. Warner at Warner Ben. I think he just flipped his name around for that handle. Looks like uh, it. He asks, if Booker, Jackson, Aiton, and Bender are four of our five of our starting lineup going forward, who could realistically be the fifth guy on a good Suns team in two to three years? Can it be a rookie, or is there a player in the league who's young and good and gettable right now? It's a good question. Uh, so I think they're going to start with trying Brandon Knight, you know, barring a Kimbo trade or something like that. They're going to start with Brandon Knight there to see how it happens. People kind mm-hmm. of forget about Brandon Knight because he was out all last year and he was very bad the year before that. But, yep. You know, Knight's only, what is he, 26 right now, 27? He's still very young. Yeah, I think he'll be 27 when the season starts, if my memory's correct. So I think they're going to give him, barring, like I said, a big trade, they're going to give him a shot at it. Um, yep. If I had to predict it, I don't think he will be the future point guard going forward. Uh, as far as is the guy in this draft, maybe if we end up with, with SGA or we go crazy, get Trey Young, that could be uh, the fifth guy going forward. Guys in the league right now, we've talked about trading 16 for Beverly. He would be a more of a stopgap option. Uh, yep. It's famously, Rogier has been on the it's been in the trade discussions because uh, the Celtics can't totally afford to have him and some of the other guys on the on the roster going forward. So maybe that guy could be the guy. Uh, there's yeah, a lot of I options. Just to jump in quickly, um, I think you know the the Brooklyn point guards as well could be mm-hmm. someone that that mm-hmm. 16th pick has kind of been floated around. I talked about Jeremy Lin a while back before we even started this pod, I think, and uh, some other smart people have have brought up Dinwiddie recently and. Yeah, I even wonder whether uh, D'Angelo Russell has a future with that team. Um, you know, he had his kind of misdemeanors towards the end of last year as well. So, uh, you know, there's the the Russell Booker Towns link. So, you know, maybe they'd go for for two of the three to to get the third over down the track. That's the wrong two. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's use this to transition to the number thirty one pick a little bit. Do you think there's anyone there that? Could I mean maybe uh, could's a strong? I think there's like a realistic possibility of being the the fifth guy. Yeah, I think there's some interesting names. It's kind of some names that we've touched on um, in in previous pods with you know my my book aboard and and a few other names as well. I know you're high on Melton. Um, you know his kind of absolute ceiling, I'm sure, would be as a starter in the NBA just because of what he brings defensively. Could be you know a Marcus Smart type who. Yeah, you know, I think most people would argue is a is a fringe starter on the right team in the NBA. I can't believe he might be going thirty one. That's just insane to me. Yeah, it, it, everywhere I look, it's kind of his range. Um, <sighs> there's a few places that are happy to put him up top, but um, yeah, there, there doesn't seem to be much buzz for him. So you know, you'd be pretty ecstatic if he was there at thirty one. There'd be a lot of buzz from me. That's for sure. Yeah, exactly. And then if the Suns passed, I, I, I'm sure it would go the other way, and you'd oh be God. livid. But yeah, you know, there's some other names: Brunson, uh, Milton, uh, Carter, even 
uh, Holiday, who we mentioned before, although I, I highly doubt he's a, a starter, um, as, as Benjamin's question alluded to. But um, yeah, there's there's a lot of interesting names there. You left out the most interesting name, David. I'm so disappointed in you. I left it out on purpose because I think he's your prediction <laughs> for the 31 pick. I actually think they're going to do it, David. That's why I'm going to be so disappointed when they don't. I think they're going to take Landry. Uh, Landry Shamet. Landry Shamet. He had a workout for the Suns where uh, our buddy Evan Sidery, who is there, he's a Suns reporter, obviously. You all follow him. He said that Landry just killed his workout, made like 80% of his threes. And, you know, that helps in the in the lead up to the draft, I think. Especially I given it, but... that it reinforces everything you know about him, right? Yeah, exactly. And uh, I saw a great quote earlier today where um, I think it was from a an NBA scout who said something and kind of might butcher the quote here a little bit, but... You know, something along the lines of the four days up leading to the draft are where we, uh, you know, fall in love with these prospects, and then and then the four days after the draft and and after we've selected them is is when we wonder whether they're even NBA players. <laughs> I like that. Well, I will say, going to that point about the four days when people start to fall in love, I've noticed yesterday. I don't know if you saw this. There were a few, you know, dra- uh, famous, not famous, like well-known draft people on Twitter, like Jackson Hoy and people like that, who were. Saying some nice things about Landry, I think people are starting to starting to fall in love with Landry Shamit. They're starting to join me on this. I'd be pretty happy if he's there at thirty-one. Um, I kind of had three guys listed here, uh, Shamit being one, but one that I knew you were probably gonna gonna put there as as your pick at thirty-one. Um, the other one we've touched on quite a bit, um, and I, I wouldn't be overly happy with this pick. But in terms of making predictions, I think Holiday. Um, makes a lot of sense purely because he's you know the only guy that's come in uh, twice to work out for the Suns, uh, and I'd I'd be much happier at thirty one than I would be at sixteen. So yeah, say they make um, like a, a Kimba trade and don't include thirty one, and they end up taking Kimba, and then they get uh, Holiday at thirty one. I'd be fine with that because I think that makes more sense because he kind of projects as a backup point guard. Yeah, a bit of a spark plug six-man type, I think, is, exactly. is kind of his role in the NBA. And then the other one I've, I already mentioned as well, which is Melton. So I'm going to throw three names out there, and hopefully uh, hopefully I can hit on one of them. Okay, I like it. I like those predictions. Um, you, you're a workout-heavy guy, and all those guys worked out holiday twice, so that makes sense. Yeah, it's probably a, a good time to mention. I did the numbers on it today with uh, the workouts looking to be officially done. Uh, we, we brought 61 guys in this year um, to, to work out for the Suns, but 41 of those I've classed as in the, the pick 59 range or, or undrafted guys. Uh, there was four guys we brought in for the for the number one pick in that uh, you know infam- infamous week when they threw them all out there in front of the media, uh, starting with Aiton. And then I think there's you know 16 guys that were kind of for maybe 16 or 31, um, depending on how the draft goes. So... Uh, yeah, that's a, a little wrap-up of the of the Phoenix workouts. Okay, cool. I think we're going to move on to the number 59 pick because David makes me. I, you, I'll let you lead this one. Okay. Well, as I said, there was uh, 41 guys to choose from here, so it's uh, not exactly shooting fish in a barrel. But um, I'm going to mention a guy who I've mentioned a few times on our pod and, and another pod that we did um, a couple of days ago, and that's Sphere. Uh, it's kind of a Hail Mary uh, wishful thinking thing here. So uh, Mika Look from Kansas, 6'8 guy, essentially played shooting guard and just a hell of a shooter. Um, and I'll I'll mention again what I mentioned on the pod the other day, which is, uh, as we've discussed on this pod, very unlikely that the Suns draft, 
you know, four guys and they all make the, you know, official roster, but uh, look for them to maybe do something like they did last year with Alec Peters and, and take a guy here that essentially becomes a two-way player straight away and, um, you know, beats off some of those phone calls that uh, these guys or, or the undrafted guys are going to get as soon as the draft's over um, to, to add to their summer league rosters and things. So uh, I would be, you know, probably more ecstatic with a pick like this at 59 than, than some of the guys at 16 and 31, just because I absolutely love this kid. Okay, next listener question. This is a little more general draft stuff, I guess. Uh, Shea Ali, I think it's Shea Ali. Is that how you pronounce that? Uh, at VVB9 underscore two. He asks, Ryan, he's referring to Ryan McDonough, keeps mentioning TJ Warren in the core. Is that a ploy to increase his trade value? And if not, does that worry you? I don't think it's necessarily a ploy to increase his value. I think it's just... It really makes sense for him to do that, regardless of how he views TJ's future with the team. Because even if he wants, if he wants to keep him, he wants to keep him happy, right? So he wants to make him feel like he's part of the core. And if he wants to trade him, he wants every team in the league to think he has a lot of value. So I think, regardless of how Ryan views TJ, he'll be saying things like that. Yeah, and I think it's interesting. I think he's been pretty heavy on it recently, which you could read into, which I think Shay might be. Um, but I think that was kind of a direct reaction to, I think he left him out quite a few times earlier in the off season. And I, I do wonder if that kind of got back to him um, because yeah, he seems to be making a more direct effort, whether it's to, um, you know, bump up his value or whether it's more just to, to feed TJ's ego because yeah, I think he left him out, you know, a little bit earlier on talking about the, the Phoenix core. So um, TJ's a, a little bit of a, a touchy guy. Um, yes. I'm not sure if I'm I'm still allowed to swear on our pod, Max. But go for um, it. He, uh, you know, famously said "man fuck you" on Twitter to to one of the Suns fans who who was actually tweeting, um, you know, concern for him. So that was Chris yeah, Carpel, and Chris Carpel like the nicest guy on Twitter. Exactly. So uh, two shout shout outs for Chris this episode. But um, yeah, I think yeah he can be a little touchy, so maybe it's maybe it's got more to just you know feeding his ego rather than bumping his trade value up. Yep, I think that's probably what it is. More that's what I lean if I had to, if I had to you know, take one side or the other. Yeah, uh, you want to go on? Yeah, I'll go to Brian's question. Brian Adams at Coach B Adams. He said, "With the Kawhi news, what are some realistic trades you want the Suns to be part of? Not ones where they get Kawhi, uh, but ones where they can help the deal go through." Would taking on bad contracts for players slash picks be worth it? Uh, I think it is worth it in certain circumstances. Um, I'll kind of lean on some Mick D comments here where he's, you know, continually said that they'd be in the market for any, you know, young up and coming player on a, um, you know, team controlled contract. So, you know, you're only looking at a, a very small bunch of players here, but if we just go to the you know, the Lakers rumors who seems to be the, you know, the front runner for Kawhi. Uh, I'd definitely be happy for the Suns to get involved um, in a deal like that, where they're maybe taking on Deng for, you know, someone like Lonzo Ball. That's the kind of deal that I'd be happy for, but I, I, I definitely wouldn't want to see them taking any kind of large risks or, you know, really bad contracts on for, you know, mediocre assets. I don't think the Suns need to add any more you know, mediocre assets to the treasure test. It would really just be if there's a guy like Alonzo Ball, um, you know, being dangled. What do you think? Alonzo uh, is definitely the guy that, that jumps out to me. I know a lot of Suns fans don't like Alonzo Ball, primarily, I think, because of his father, who is obviously yep. an asshat, I think it's fair to say. 
Yeah. Um, but Lon, I mean, if you the, his on court fit, I think would just be beautiful with Booker. Um, especially, I mean, the shooting is it is an issue. We'll see how he can do correcting that in the future. But the way he plays defense and the way he passes, I think was just pretty ideal as a yep. backcourt partner. Yeah. All right, let's move on. I think we're going to predict some general NBA trades for draft night. You want to go first? Yeah, um, yeah. I think, you know, I'll just say we, we like to keep some, you know, just general NBA things in the pod, not just all suns. So we're going to see if we can, yeah, pick a rabbit out of the hat here as well. I think uh, I'll go with, uh, and I, I need to tie in John, whose uh, at handle is douchebagjohn. I think it's douchebag. Uh, Bag, yeah, douchebag John. Uh, he's asked if I can say a couple of things in my Australian accent. So I'll, I'll tie this in with uh, this trade that I'm going to throw out would, would definitely make me say crikey. Uh, I will go with a Dennis Schroeder trade. So I think Atlanta definitely want to get off Dennis Schroeder, uh, and I could see it happening on draft night. Um, a team that you spoke about earlier in the pod um, is Charlotte with the 11th pick. Um, it's, you know, I think I'm reaching here a little bit, but I think there's some kind of, uh, you know, logic to it. I could definitely see Charlotte trading the 11th pick for Schroeder, uh, but taking 19 back as well. So just sliding back in the draft, um, and, and getting a guy like Schroeder, if they're moving on from Kemba Walker, he is only 24. Um, you know, he comes with some negatives, but kind of guy I could see, see playing on that team and, and, and give them a, a point guard to, to build their new team around if, if Walker's going to leave. I'm sorry, um, Charlotte fans. I didn't approve that. <laughs> <laughs> Charlotte still get a decent pick as well. They might be you know eyeing someone off a little further back in the draft and um, Atlanta get to take a, a new point guard at 11. You know, There's guys like Sexton and, and SGA there and I think they're really going to try and bottom out and, and build this kind of young core um you know, Collins, uh, Prince, whoever they take at three, and then uh, 11. So, you know, there might be some other pieces there, but it's pretty hard to find a Schroeder, um, you know, destination. But, you know, one thing I do know is that Atlanta would, would happily get off him if they could. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw that one out there. Yeah, I think that's a good prediction. Uh, I could see that happening for sure. Uh, it, it, it makes sense for both sides, even though, as I expressed earlier, I am not a Dennis Schroeder fan at all. <laughs> I could see other teams being a Dennis Schroeder fans. What have you got? So mine's not as specific. I, I just, it really feels to me like something crazy is going to happen in this draft. And my prediction for what that's going to be, I think this Memphis thing is, is real. Yep. I think they really do want to move back. And for some reason, I just see either the Celtics or the Sixers just getting... They have a lot of assets using some of those to move up, go to number four, particularly if Doncic is on the board, and just decide, hey, we're going to dominate the league for a decade. Yeah, I think that's a you know, it's a, a logical prediction and a, and a smart one. And as much as I don't want to see those two teams get even better, um, one thing that I've kind of thought about in the last couple of weeks is I, you know, essentially come to terms with the fact that Aiton is going to be the Suns' pick is... I really want Dontich to go somewhere that he can thrive and succeed and, mm. and look good, um, you know, to make us all who had him at number one also look good. And, um, yeah, both of those teams would be uh, home run hits for, for both player and team, I think. Yeah, there'd be a 100% chance that Lonzo's, or sorry, that uh, Luca's good if he goes to one of those teams. Yeah. Should we okay. move on to some uh, some bonus questions? Yeah, it was just some bonus questions. These didn't really fit into into any structure of this draft, so we thought we'd do these at the end. Uh, first one, 
Cody James Hunt at co underscore D Hunt. He asks, what prospects from previous drafts have been some of your biggest hits and misses? This is a good question. This is a fun one. Uh, I'll start with hit. I My dad went to Indiana University, so he's a big IU fan, and I kind of watched them for that reason. Yep. I was watching Oladipo, you know, kind of before his junior season where he broke out, and I just didn't understand why he wasn't considered a, a top-end prospect. I think he was back in first round, early second round sort of range. And I was like, this guy, this guy looks like Dwayne Wade to me. I, I just didn't get it. Um, and then once we got a little closer and his stock did rise and he was a top five pick, I thought he should have been number one pick in the draft. Uh, that was wrong. It should have been Giannis. But I think among the top guys, it was. It, I think that's been proven right. Yeah, not bad. It was it was sketchy there for a little while, but he, he helped you out this past season. This past season was great for me, wasn't it? <laughs> exactly. Uh, and that's a, that's a good reminder to everybody to not write people off too early because sometimes people can emerge later. Fit and situation mean a lot in this league. It matters so much. That's why Bender's going to be a star with Igor next year, right? Exactly. <laughs> uh, for biggest miss, this isn't going to surprise anybody. A lot of people miss on this guy, but it's, it's got to be Jason Tatum last year. Uh, I desperately did not want the Suns to take Jason Tatum because I thought all he could do is sort of score in the mid-range. Yep. He's proven that to be woefully wrong, I would say, in his rookie year. Yeah, I'll I'll double down on that, and I'm sure there's a lot of Suns listeners kind of nodding their head as well. Uh, there might be a few that, that uh, were on the Tatum train, but I think, you know, majority that I saw anyway all kind of believe the same thing, which, you know, we're all proven wrong, definitely. I think the lesson to take from that too is that you, when you're evaluating these guys, sometimes you need to look at what they can do, uh, what their skill set allows them to do, sometimes more so than what they did in college. But I think some people will say, uh, hey, Hey, DeAndre Ayton. <laughs> exactly. Um, and, you know, hopefully to a certain extent we're, we're proven wrong on him as well. Um, not Agree. to say that we're, you know, totally hating if, if he's the pick at one for the Suns. I hope he wins Defensive Player of the Year next year. <laughs> oh, me too. I'll move on to uh, Nair B&B's question, which is at Twisted Metal 333. He said, with the Lakers now in position to create a super team, how can the Suns stay competitive in the Pacific Division? The Lakers want to create a super team. Um, they haven't yet, so uh, let's not go too crazy with that talk just yet. But I would actually be all for them going all in like they look like they're going to because, um, you know, I've been saying for some time, I, I, I hope the Suns stick to the timeline somewhat. I'm, I'm happy for them to start trying to build around Booker a little more and, and push towards the playoffs. But, you know, the the long-term game should still be to to wait out this Warriors reign. And if the Lakers want to go up against them for the next two or three years and, and kind of kill a lot of their future assets in um, at the same time, then, you know, I'm all for that. I think, you know, then a few years down the track, it could be an interesting rivalry with, say, someone like Sacramento. Um, you know, there's obviously the past links with the Chris trade, uh, Bogdan being on their team now and obviously you know if all things remain the same picks one and two in this draft and, and a bit of rivalry between whoever's chosen there so um, the Clippers are the other one in the division who God knows where that's going for them um, I think we've continually said they're probably the hardest team to work out right now maybe we'll know a little bit more after the draft but um, yeah I think it's a an interesting division going forward and one that's kind of split in two and you know, I for one hope the Lakers go for it because um, it might be another kind of ill-fated move by the Lakers that opens things up for Phoenix in you know three or four years' time. 
I would much rather compete against Sacramento and the Clippers in the future than Golden State and the Lakers now, that's for sure. Exactly. Uh, okay, I'm going to move on to Scott Coleman's question. He's at ScottyCo21. He asks, who's the current player on the roster that will get cut or traded that we're not talking about? Sort of a tough question because David and I talk about everyone because we're nerds. But <laughs> the guy I think that probably most uh, less nerdy Suns fans aren't talking about as much is Alan Williams, our beloved Big Sauce. Yep. The way his contract is structured uh, makes him very intriguing for other teams and trades because he's on guarantee. They can just cut him and save a bunch of money with him. Mm-hmm. Uh, he also would be someone who, if we be are aggressive in free agency, it would make sense to cut him because it's a free $6 million we can add. Yep. And David, do you want to get into the moratorium point? Because I think it's a good point. Yeah, I think it's just interesting to note that um, for good reason, his guarantee date is the 6th of July. 2018, which is also the first day that you are legally allowed to sign free agents. So uh, from July 1 to July 5, teams will uh, talk to players, uh, have verbal agreements in place, but then on the 6th, you can actually uh, put pen to paper. So I don't think it's any coincidence that that's the date that the Suns have to make a decision on Williams because they'll know uh, and have a much better idea of whether they want to keep him on the roster on that day. Yep, that's perfect. What what's, what's we got next? Uh, we just got a couple more um, from from Josh and Tyler, and and reason we're going to mention these is because we really wanted to include everyone's questions that took the time to to submit into us because you know we really appreciate it. We appreciate the the people that are continually listening to the episodes as we put them out, and um, it's it's been thrilling to us to kind of watch it uh, take off. So these questions, I think. Um, as you said, with some of the bonus ones, we couldn't really place anywhere particular in, in the draft uh, predictions pod for today, but um, you know, I wanted to touch on them brief, briefly. So Joshua O'Meara, uh, Joshua O'Meara 2 is his handle. He's asked uh, what the Suns could do uh, without ruining their future uh, to make them compete for the playoffs next year and also what Knight's stat line is next year. Uh, to that, I'd just say, Josh... Uh, we have an instant draft pod coming up on Thursday night slash Friday morning, depending on when we can get it out. And then our next episode after that is uh, a free agency primer before July 1. So check out those because uh, we'll go a little bit more in depth then once we know how things look after the draft. And, um, you know, we might be able to also predict a night stat line in the future in um, some player profile pods that we're going to do through the, you know, the very long off season. So, um, yeah, keep a keep a look out for those. Tyler, uh, Tyler Martins, who's at the real T Martz, has asked how much variability is there for a prospect to improve their ball handling ability. Obviously, people can improve, but wondering how many players drafted with questions regarding their handle actually improve. Um, again, what I'm kind of hoping for here, Tyler, is is the Suns draft someone um, with this bit of a question mark around them because you know we're really gonna dive deep into and I'm really excited when we've actually got new Suns players to talk about so um, yeah check back because I reckon we'll be touching on both of those questions uh, in the next few episodes yep one final question Uh, this comes from my little brother he wants to know sort of thinking the Dodge Jayton thing but a little more generally do do European players who, who often will play 
a lot in professional leagues at a young age. Uh, for example, Don just played from, you know, he's signed with Real Madrid, I think, when he was 13, and he started playing for them when he was 16. Yeah. Because those players have professional coaching and they're in, you know, professional league, they're playing as professional players, are those players more likely to develop earlier on than guys like Aiton or Bagley, who were in AAU with awful coaching? Like, Bagley is coached by his dad. Uh, and then they get into college where they're only there for a little while. They, they don't get a ton of instruction. They really haven't maximized maybe like their basketball acumen. So he wants to know, is that something that should be taken in consideration when you're drafting, say, Aiton and Doncic? My answer is yes. I think that, that that does matter to an extent. I think that European players generally are probably a little closer to their skill ceilings. I think athletically, sometimes they actually have more to gain because European teams just focus so little on athleticism and strength training and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, I, but I don't think it should be something that should be overrated. I wouldn't be like, oh, Doncic is already at his ceiling. I think that's not the way to look at it. I think Doncic has a lot more to gain skill-wise. Like, think about his shooting. Yeah. Um, but I do think it's a factor, and it should be considered. Yeah, I think it's a factor, and I would just point to probably, um, you know, a lot of people publicly criticizing AAU basketball in the last couple mm-hmm. of years, and I think that's one of the major reasons that um, you know people have come out and, and criticized things publicly because they realize that the system's not really um, conducive to to creating good basketball players early on in in the careers of these young guys. Yeah, the NBA has actually stepped in and intervened a little bit. Yeah, and, and I hope that they continue to to do so among kind of a few factors in in leading up to guys getting drafted. Yep. Alrighty, should we go on to seven seconds or less? Let's go on to seven seconds or less. I've uh, I've reached out to a secret listener who I can uh, unveil. A secret listener at the end, uh, but with our mailbag, I thought rather than. Than me create the questions for seven seconds or less for Max this episode. We've we've got some questions from uh, from somebody else who I'll I'll unveil at the end. But now I'm nervous. Um, but okay. <laughs> uh, so I'll I'll throw them at you and uh, you know the drill. If the Lakers call and ask for the 16th pick and taking on Luel Deng's contract for Lonzo Ball, do you think about it? I don't think about it. I do it right away, immediately. No questions asked. Fair call. Would you entertain trading Dragon Bender, the 16th pick, and 31 to move up five spots in the draft? So that would be to the 11th pick with Charlotte, I suppose. Oh, oh yeah, no, I don't do that. I, I value Bender more than anybody in that 11 to 15 range, I think. I'm, I'm still really high on him. Yeah, I think that's fair enough. I am too. There was a uh, very quick... Twitter video from him today too, which uh, raised a few oh, eyebrows. Did you see the shirt he was wearing? <laughs> I did. Oh, man. Uh, third question: How many rookies do you think the Suns will have on the roster next season, including two-way contracts? And how many do you think they should have? I think they will have two, and I think they should have. Two. <laughs> Good That'd answer. Not be boring and repetitive, but I, yeah, that that's this range that makes sense to me. All right, and we've got a bonus one here. Uh-oh. How many points, rebounds, assists, and field goal attempts did DeAndre Ayton have versus Buffalo? <laughs> uh, points and rebounds. Didn't he have like fifteen and twelve or something like that? Close. Um, Four, Fourteen and thirteen. Okay. Uh, I have no idea on the other ones. 
He had one assist and 13 field goal attempts. So last question, do you know who our secret listener is? I'm going to guess it's Chris Hansen if he's asked about stats. Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> thanks, Chris. I appreciate your questions. Okay, I think that about does it for today. Uh, thanks, everyone, for listening. Uh, if you could please rate, review, and subscribe. It really helps us out. My name is Max. I am at MaxMCC11 on Twitter. He is David. He is at the Four Point Play on Twitter. Thanks, David. Thanks, Max. I can't wait for the draft. Me neither. Until next time, guys.